Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, so before we get into it, I should explain, I am now back at home, recording in my office again, but I have been on the road with Book Week for weeks, and my voice is totally wrecked because I've been doing presentations all day, every day for about five weeks. So I'm going to record this one episode today because apparently the cliffhanger was a lot for people and I don't want this episode to go out late and then hopefully I'll give my voice a couple of days to heal before I record the next one. We'll get back into it. We've almost finished this book and just so you know, when we finish um, this book, The Pesky Kids 3, I'm going to go back to doing uh, episodes in the original format for about 12, 16 weeks. So that'll be weekly episodes, but there'll be longer episodes with fractured fairy tales and twisted histories and Greek myths and things like that. So that's what we've got coming up. But for now, I'd better finish this chapter because I can't keep leaving you hanging. Um, I'll just go back and I'll read the paragraph, the last paragraph from last week, last time. Okay, so this is chapter 26, part two, photo finish from the Pesky Kids 3, Stuck in the Mud. Here we go. We have a winner, called Mr. Boyle over the PA system. He normally only got this excited when the school choir inadvertently sang in tune. Well, we have three winners, but we definitely have a winner. It'll have to go down to the judges. This was too close to call. There was a scuffle as if someone was banging the microphone. Muted, angry voices could be heard. Then Mr. Boyle returned, now less ebullient. I've just been informed there are no judges, only the course master. Well, the presentation ceremony is in 20 minutes, so hopefully we'll have figured it out by then who has won. Well done, Joe, said Loretta. Joe opened his eyes. The enormous face of the water buffalo was right above him. A big dollop of drool dropped out of its mouth onto his forehead. I was very proud of your performance, continued Loretta brightly. All the training I gave you paid off. Why did you bother when you were going to cheat? asked Joe. Riding a water buffalo is not cheating, said Loretta, smirking. I read the rules very closely. They specifically banned horses this year, but by being so specific, it tacitly implied that any other animal would be acceptable, and my lawyer agrees with me. Other finishers were struggling across the line now. They were so covered in mud and bedraggled that it was hard to tell who was who. One person in the crowd managed to recognise Constable Pike as he limped towards the line. Look, there's Constable Nitwit! called the cat lady from the stand. Being an animal expert, she was good at recognising beasts from their shape alone. The crowd roared with approval. Constable Pike did have a tendency to be pompous and a little over-enthusiastic about handing out parking infringement notices, so the Korowangians were delighted to see him so dishevelled. There was a cacophony of cheers and hoots of approval as he limped over the line. Constable Pike was quite pleased with all the attention. He'd lived his whole life in Currawong, so all the elderly residents still treated him the same way they did when he'd been a little boy. He was pretty sure some of them would still clip him around the ear if he wasn't so tall. It was nice to be getting some positive feedback for a change. 
At least, his ears were still so full of mud that he couldn't hear exactly what people were yelling, so he assumed it was positive feedback. Among the throng of dripping contestants staggering towards the line, there was one person moving with animal-like fury and purpose, and this person was dragging another person behind them. "'That's g got to be April,' said Joe, with a sigh. From the agitated way she was bearing down on the line, there was no way April was going to finish, then rest peacefully. She was bound to cause a furor about something. The question was, what?' She's moving very fast, said Loretta. She's going to get a good time, especially considering that she's guiding someone who's vision impaired. As they watched, Tom stumbled, but April didn't let him slow her for a second. In one fluid movement, she reached back, grabbed Tom's arm, looped it over her shoulder, then practically dragged him towards the finish. Our first disabled contestant is approaching the line now, called Mr Boyle. It's Tom Shepherd and his guide, April Pesky. They are first in the blind category. April stumbled over the line, dropping Tom and detaching the lanyard as soon as she made it. He collapsed, gasping for breath at her feet. "'Not blind, you nong!' April yelled at Mr Boyle, who was seated on a raised platform just a few metres away. Mr Boyle balked at the verbal assault. When he had agreed to call the endurance event, he had assumed the competitors would be all too tired to abuse him. "'He's vision impaired! Just like you're not brain dead, you're thinking impaired! Show some sensitivity!' Now, I'm pretty sure verbally abusing race officials is against the... Began Mr Boyle, nervously eyeing Pumpkin. He'd been scared of the small dog ever since the sheep music incident. Pumpkin growled and bared his tiny but razor-sharp teeth. Police, said April. Verbal abuse is the most fun part of any sporting event. If you don't like it, take up knitting. Give me that microphone. She grabbed the mic from Mr Boyle. He gasped and spluttered, but like most people, he was too intimidated by April to try and get it back. "'Where's Constable Pike?' April asked over the PA system. "'Here,' said the constable, pounding. He held up his hand to distinguish himself from the other competitors. "'You've got to get back to town,' said April. "'The bank has been robbed.' Now there really was an uproar from the crowd. April dropped the microphone and stalked over to talk to Constable Pike. Pumpkin was a safe distance away, so Mr Boyle picked it back up. Finn was standing next to him now. "'A decision has been made. We have a winner.' I'll just hand over to the course master, said Mr Boyle, trying to regain some dignity by using his announcer's voice again. Here he is, Shark Finn Pesky. He then handed the microphone to Finn. There were groans from the crowd. Not one of those pesky kids, someone called. April didn't even turn around. She knew that voice. Shut it, Matilda. I saw you take a shortcut through the alley behind the Good Times Cafe. You can't heckle other people when you've been cheating yourself. Matilda spluttered a bit. What, 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 I... But she didn't finish because April was entirely right. Ahem, <coughs> Finn cleared his throat. According to the rules, the winner is the first person who crossed the line. Finn held up the rule booklet, if for no other reason than to prove that there was one. Duh, said Kieran, everyone knows that. But it is not measured by their whole body crossing the line, continued Finn, with his characteristic pedantry. It is as soon as any part of their body crosses. He quoted from the book. A motion-sensing camera was set up on the finish line, and here is what it recorded. Finn had a small remote control in his hand. He pressed a button, and all the big TV screens around the finish line flickered to a new picture, a freeze frame of Loretta, Joe, and Maya crossing the line. The water buffalo was well ahead of Joe and Maya, by a metre or so. As you can see, said Finn, the water buffalo crossed first. There was booing from the crowd now. But, continued Finn, the water buffalo was not entered. The rider was Loretta Viswanathan. 
Finn pointed to Loretta's position on the water buffalo's back. She was alongside Joe, just slightly, but only a fraction of a centimetre behind him. As such, Loretta came third. Loretta looked crestfallen for a moment, but then smiled. I still get a ribbon, don't I? Yes, said Finn, handing over a long white sash, and $500 worth of cake from the Chelsea Bakery. Mr Chelsea sobbed at this announcement. But who won? called Animesh from the crowd. Finn pressed a button on his remote control again and zoomed in on the freeze frame. If you look closely, you will see that Joe Pesky's chest is slightly ahead of Maya Darrowal's, said Finn. Nepotism, cried a voice from the crowd. He's favouring his brother. He hates women. I told you to be quiet, Matilda, barked April. But if you look at his face, continued Finn, Joe is turning to look up at Loretta. Don't blame him, called a jocular voice. She's a looker. Finn glared. You, he yelled at the jocular man. You're banned for life. Objectifying women is unacceptable. No more mud run for you. The jocular man was too stunned to respond. Finn resumed his explanation of who had won the race. Maya is leaning forward too, but looking ahead, so her nose was the first part of her body to cross the line, a millimetre before Joe's chest. And as a result, the winner is Maya Darrowal. There was a roar from the crowd, cheers from the women and also from the men who were glad that a person, not a water buffalo, would be taking home the prize. Finn turned to Mr Chelsea. Mr Chelsea, as event sponsor, I call on you to present the prize. Mr Chelsea stepped forward. He looked like he was in physical pain. No, he stated simply. What, said Finn? I can't give out the prize, said Mr Chelsea, because it was stolen in the bank robbery. I was depositing the cash so I could write a cheque for the winner. The thief stole it all. There were gasps and gabbles of shock from the audience, but no one reacted more emotionally than Maya Darrowal. What, she yelled, what sort of tin pot town is this? You don't want to give a woman equal prize money, but when I come here and bust my hump for four weeks helping everyone else and winning the whole darn thing myself, you lose the prize money. It's not my fault, blubbered Mr Chelsea. I never wanted to sponsor the event in the first place. I just wanted to be left alone to make cake. Joe awkwardly patted Mr Chelsea on the shoulder to comfort him. Joe wanted him to make cake too. Yeah, right, said Maya Darrowal sarcastically. It's very convenient that you lose the money the first year that a woman is the winner. Mr Chelsea burst into racking sobs. He turned to Joe and collapsed on his shoulder. You promised you'd win, he wailed. The sponsor is in collusion with this boy, accused Maya, pointing a finger at Joe like she was stabbing him with a dagger. Luciano Costa's camera shutter was going crazy. He was getting enough photos to be able to make his own stop-motion animation. No, stammered Joe. Joe isn't in collusion with Mr Chelsea, said Mr Lang, stepping forward. He's in collusion with me. I made him promise he would win for the school. The mayor's in on this too, cried Maya. This is a town-wide conspiracy. I tried to help Joe win as well, confessed Loretta, stepping forward, but only because he looks dreamy in short shorts. She winked at Joe. Joe turned bright red and wished he could sink into the ground. He would rather be incorrectly accused of cheating than told he looked dreamy in shorts. I'm going straight back to the city and briefing my lawyers to sue this whole town, declared Maya. The crowd started to mutter and jeer. Everyone stop, ordered Constable Pike. The crowd fell silent. Bank robbery is a serious crime. It needs to be investigated properly. No one is going anywhere or being awarded anything until I get to the bottom of this. You can't hold me here, said Maya, pulling a phone out of a pocket in her leggings. Not unless you arrest me. 
I can ask you to remain to assist with my investigation, said Constable Pike. Ha! said Maya, getting out of phone. Like that's going to stop me. I'm calling my pilot. You can do that, but I can call the Civil Aviation Authority and get them to shut down the airspace over the entire Currawong-Bilgong catchment area, added Constable Pike. Even mud-covered, he could summon a sense of authority when he needed to. Maya stopped dialing. Fine. Investigate then. I use the time to do online interviews with all the major news outlets, telling them what a backwater this place really is. And that is the end of the chapter. So we'll leave it there. Until next time, goodbye.